you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. And we're going to be on a series for a couple of months on the topic of, Lord, teach us to pray. Can you guys just say that with me? Say, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. You know, as uh, we were preparing our hearts for the 21-day fast a couple of months ago, really neat little experience took place. David came in to my little cubby and uh, he said, hey, what are you thinking? What's the Lord showing you and what's the Lord saying to you about our theme for the 21-day fast? And at that time, I had been thinking about and meditating on the Lord's Prayer as a theme and as a structure, as a comprehensive approach to growing ourselves in the foundations of prayer, building a house of prayer in our own lives and building a house of prayer corporately. And so I said, well, you know, what are you thinking about the 21-day fast? He said, I just feel like this theme, Lord, teach us to pray, has been burning inside of me. I said, well, here's what's been burning inside of me, the Lord's Prayer, which is actually the prayer that Jesus taught when the disciples asked him, teach us to pray. So it was really neat. The Holy Spirit was already working on both of us individually. And when we came together, it was just very, very confirming that we're going to go into this year and we're going to learn how to pray. Now, you can never learn how to pray enough. So you may have been praying your entire lives. There's more. I mean, say, they say there's more. There's more. God wants to strengthen our house of prayer. He wants to teach us how to pray more effectively. He wants to breathe more life on our prayer times. He wants to teach us how to abide in a lifestyle of prayer all day, every day of our lives. And so today we're going to start off and it's just an introductory kind of overview message of where we're going to be going in the next three months. But in Matthew chapter 6, this will be the particular uh, approach to the Lord's Prayer that we use. Jesus actually lays out the Lord's Prayer both in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to use Matthew's account here in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. This then, Jesus said, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us, and Ivy says debts, our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And this is left out in the NIV, but many older transcripts say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So let me just give a little bit of backdrop right here as it relates to the Lord's Prayer and why we're going to be launching into the Lord's Prayer. Throughout different church circles, there has been differing approaches to the Lord's Prayer. Some people utilize this as a form of liturgy, and there's a great strength to that because in that liturgy, there is the opportunity for alignment. There's the opportunity for unity. However, if we just take a stoic, sterile, religious approach to that, something that is so potent and powerful like the Lord's Prayer can become dead if we just approach it from a religious standpoint. This is just a prayer that we memorize and it's a prayer that we recite. That's not what Jesus was going for here. He wasn't saying that this is just something that we're supposed to recite. 
Then on the other side of the spectrum, you see this a lot in charismatic circles, in our attempt to be as far away from anything that appears or feels religious, we've almost done away with the Lord's Prayer altogether. And I think that we've done that to our detriment. We really have. There's a great book that's been released here recently by a guy named Mark Rutland, Dr. Mark Rutland, uh, former president of Oral Roberts University and, and Southeastern College down in Florida. And the title of his book is 21 Seconds to Change the World. And he's written a fabulous book. I'm about halfway through it now on the Lord's Prayer and the 23rd Psalm, how over the past 10 years, God has been massaging this revelation into his spirit and into his life. And as he has shared it, how it has brought restoration and change in people's lives. This prayer, many people look at, say this is also a model of how to pray. And that's the approach that I'm taking. It's the approach I'm going to teach Antioch. This really is a model because when I look at all the different elements that are contained within the Lord's Prayer, what we find is literally one of the most comprehensive and succinct prayers. Praying this prayer, just using the words of Jesus, you're going to hit everything that you can possibly need to hit in a prayer time. And then when you tease it out and expand it and begin to click on all those windows and find what's in it, you can literally pray for hours upon hours just praying using the outline and the format of the Lord's Prayer. And that's what we're going to explore in the next few months. Let me talk with you this morning about the purpose of this series. I think it's important for us to know if we're going to be taking two to three months of our lives and our time walking slowly through a topic, it's important for us to know why now and why this topic, why this subject matter. Number one, the purpose of this series very simply is to help Antioch Church build and to strengthen a vibrant prayer life and a vibrant prayer culture. I want to see every single one of us individually, I want to see every single one of our families grow in the vibrancy and the vitality of our prayer lives. I want to see our life groups get stronger and more passionate and more full of life and effectiveness in our prayer lives. We want to see our missions teams build a hothouse of prayer. We want to see our young adults and our children know how to pray. We want them, when they're in situations where they don't know what to do, they've been, they've been disciplined in the rigors of connecting with God. We want to see a people that are formed by abiding deeply in Christ. That is one of the primary purposes. Let me flesh this out a little bit. What does this mean? It means intimacy with God. At the end of these three months, what we want to see is we want to see people that can definitively say, I am experiencing a deeper level of intimacy in the Trinity. God is calling us to a greater level of intimacy because in our intimacy lies our authority. There are things I believe that we as a local church and we as a global church that we're going to experience in 2016. And like the prophetic word last week, the levels of our authority must increase. But your authority cannot increase devoid of intimacy, devoid of abiding deeply in Christ Jesus. Number two, prayer is formational. So as we say that we're going to build a vibrant prayer life, as we say we're going to build a vibrant prayer culture, what we're saying is that we're going to be formed. 
that we're going to mature, that God is going to shape us, that he is going to build some things into the fabric and the fiber of who we are as sons and daughters and who we are as a family. Learning to pray and growing together in prayer is a critical part of maturing as sons and daughters. Number three, we're talking about partnership. Partnership. So one of the reasons why we pray is because staying in a place of prayer conditions us to hear God's voice. And we can only respond to God's voice to the degree that we hear God's voice. So when we're conditioned in this place of abiding to hear his voice and we're ready to respond to his voice, we can receive assignments and that's where things get fun. When we begin receiving assignments, we begin partnering with God, co-laboring with the Father and building his family kingdom into the earth. And finally, we wanna talk about how to build a prayer culture corporately. What are some of the principles? What are some of the rules? What are some of the boundaries? What are some of the guidelines on how to lead an effective prayer meeting? When two or more come together and agree in prayer, how can we do that as effectively as possible? What are some of the components? What's the profile of a great prayer meeting? We're gonna talk about that and we're gonna practice that. We're gonna activate it. In fact, today at the end of service, we're gonna begin our activation by ending our time together in corporate prayer. All right, that's our purpose. Let me talk about a couple of the objectives over the next couple of months. Objective number one, we want to deepen and define and develop our prayer base. We want to deepen our prayer base. Again, some of you mighty prayer warriors have been praying for many, many years. Well, we want to deepen that. We want your prayer life, your prayer language. We want your understanding of the principles of prayer to go deeper. We want to define it. We want you to be accurate in your understanding of when to pray, how to pray, what prayers to use. You know, not every prayer is the same. We're gonna talk about that here in the next few weeks. We're gonna build a foundation of praying through the spirit of sonship. We're gonna talk about what does it mean to walk in the spirit of sonship as it relates to this spiritual discipline of prayer. I believe the Lord's Prayer is one of the most comprehensible and sustainable templates to advancing God's kingdom as sons and daughters. And that's why we're using that as our model. Objective number two is we want to grow in our abiding with Christ. We want to grow in our abiding with Christ by entering into the fellowship of the burning heart. We're going to talk about what that means, which is absolutely essential to building a lasting prayer life. Let me just take a couple of seconds to explain this. Throughout all of eternity, and it's difficult for our little finite minds to understand the scope and the scale of eternity, but throughout all of eternity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have experienced unbroken fellowship. They've experienced love that is perfect. How many of you in your own relationships, your love can grow dim? It can get weak. Your, 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 your love can be temperamental. Your love for even someone like your spouse or your children, it has to be grown. It has to be enlarged. I love this morning, Pastor Dan said, God, enlarge the narrow mansion of our soul. Expand the love of our heart for you. Well, God never has to expand his love for Jesus. It's perfect. It's complete. 
They never get upset with each other. They never say, I'm walking out on the relationship. They never have to fight to remain in the fellowship of Trinity. They, the Father loves the Holy Spirit with the same intensity and the same passion. And that passion and that intensity that they've experienced has never waned one drop throughout all of eternity. And here's what the scripture says. The scripture says that the Father loves you with the same intensity that he loves Jesus. And then the scripture says that Jesus loves you with the same enduring intensity that he loves Jesus. And then the scripture says that the very same love that God loves us with, he's given us that love in our hearts to love ourselves with. Because you can't love someone else to the degree that you've received the Father's love. So this is this fellowship of this burning love. And that really is the source from which our prayer lives come from. If our prayer life is being built on anything else outside of that fellowship of burning passion and love and affection, it will wane, it will die, and will become disappointed and, and maybe even just give up on building a prayer life at all. Let me encourage you this morning, Wherever you are in your prayer journey, it is a journey. Like the language of a little child, learning language, one word at a time. And right now with my two little two, my, my twin two-year-old boys, it's so fun because every day they're picking up a new word. Makes you really be careful about what you say. But every day they're picking up a new word and their language in the natural, it's growing. Well, your language is growing with God. That's why it's so great to be around people who are a little bit more seasoned in their journey with God. I love getting in prayer meetings and I love hearing the way people articulate their heart to God. And sometimes I'll say, I like the way you said that. I'm just going to write that down. I'm going to say it exactly like you said it. It's not biting. Oh, it's an idea. It's not copycatting. It's not, you know, you're not copycatting. You're just saying, I really identify and resonate with the way that you express that to God. I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna weave that into my language and I'm gonna use that and work that until it becomes natural, until it becomes a natural expression of my heart to God. It's one of the great things about worship songs. These people who out of their burning relationship with God, they craft and they pen uh, words that express things that when we hear them, we go, ah, yes, they're making my heart come alive and then you just take those same words and weave them into your prayer language with God. Objective number three is for us to learn how to pray more effectively corporately. That's in small groups and large groups alike. All right, let's talk about what is prayer. What is prayer? Simple, simple, simple definition. As simple as we can get. We don't have to complicate this. Prayer is communication with God. And I use communication instead of the word talking because communication implies that we're both listening and we are responding. So there are times in prayer where we may begin our time of prayer by just opening our heart and it may seem like we're initiating, but listen, God is looking for a response. And then there's times where we'll go and maybe we'll stop and we'll be quiet and maybe we'll just begin by stilling our heart, our emotions, our affections, our imagination, the to-do list, and we'll hear some things that God says to us. The other morning, I was awakened at about 4 a.m. 
And uh, I found myself just not being able to sleep any longer. I don't know, I play this game. So it was really about 3.15 and I'm trying as hard as I can to fall back asleep. And so I'm like, all right, well, I'm gonna go everything, I'm gonna do everything I can to fall back asleep. And if I don't fall back asleep at this time, then I'll get up. And then that this time begins to be pushed back a little bit further and further and further. Well, finally at 4 a.m., I finally got up and uh, I, just, I just started lighting into prayer. I was like, you know, started opening my mouth and praying things I knew to pray. And I felt like the Lord said, son, if I'm gonna wake you up at four, it's because I've got some things to say to you. <laughs> okay, well, and sure enough, sure enough, I just got quiet and it was like downloading, down, it was amazing, just this streaming download from God. And then I just went back to sleep just like that. It was awesome. Prayer is communication with God. It is a two-way conversation with the Lord that brings life-changing results. Now, there's many different types of prayer. And I don't know if we're going to get into the depths of all this, but I do just want to touch it. There's many different types of prayer. Number one, there's devotional prayer. This is where we're just sharing our heart. We're sharing our thoughts. We're sharing our affections and our feelings with the Lord. Some people like to call this pillow talk. Okay, I, I speak with my wife in the intimacy of our bedroom differently than I speak with my friends or differently than I speak at our strategic board meetings because it's a different tone. It's a different setting. It's a different purpose for why we're communicating. And you can have that with the Father. Many of the Psalms, as we read through the Psalms, you'll see that even those Psalms, they're different. And some of those psalms were actually getting a window into the devotional prayer language and life that David has with the Father. As he talks about the deer panting for water, as he's expressing, God, I want to long more deeply for you. Well, that's a different type of prayer than when he's talking about, God, I want you to strike my enemies and break their wrists and strike them on the jaws. You're not going to say that with the same intonation, with the same inflection, with the same intensity. It's going to be different because it has a different purpose. Number two, there's intercessory prayer. This is when we are praying, we are going before the throne room of God, and we are praying on behalf of another thing or another person. This is where we say, God, what is on your heart for this person? What is on your heart for this location? What is on your heart for this region? What is on your heart for this church? And then we begin to feel what God feels and hear what God is saying. And we begin to echo that back out into the earth and up into the heavens. There is petitionary prayer, supplication. What is this? This is very simply where we ask God. This is probably the area of prayer that most believers are most familiar with. God, I need a new job. God, I need a girlfriend. God, I need wisdom. I need, I need, I need, I need. Okay, that's petitionary prayer. And obviously, if, if your relationship with a friend or with a spouse or your children's relationship with you is only based on what they need or what they want, it would be one-dimensional. It'd be narrow and it would lack depth. So what we want to discover is that we want to discover the many facets of our interactions with God. There is prayer in praise and thanksgiving. This is where we just come before the Father and we say thank you. 
This is where we focus with hearts of gratitude on all of the great things that he's done. There is prayer in spiritual formation. This is where we take the pages of scripture and we begin to pray his commands and we begin to pray his instruction into our life and we begin to form our spiritual man. We begin to pour strength into our spiritual man by praying those things of spiritual maturity into our life. There's warfare prayer. There's prophetic prayer, which leads me to my next point here. There's many different principles of prayer. There's the principle of faith. There's a principle of understanding our identity and our authority as believers. There is praying the word. Listen, if you ever get lost, there there are incredible model prayers that have already been written out The book of Nehemiah, when he's petitioning God to go before the king, the book of Esther, all of the Psalms. One of my favorite things to do is just open up and read through the book of Proverbs and take every one of those points of wisdom and instruction, and I'll just pray those into my life and pray those over my children. The Lord's Prayer is a great prayer to pray. And let me just say this about the Lord's Prayer. I've been practicing this after I read, um, reading through Rutland's book. One of the things that Dr. Rutland says is sometimes he'll take uh, that, the Lord's Prayer and sometimes he'll take an hour to pray that. Sometimes he'll just take 20 seconds. Sometimes he'll pray it one time a day and sometimes he'll pray it a hundred times in one day. He says, I'll just, I'll just find myself. He goes, my wife and I will grab hands and we'll pray the Lord's Prayer before we, we eat a meal. He says, I'll pray it when I wake up in the morning. I'll pray it before I go to sleep. I'll pray it when I pull into the driveway. And here's the thing. If you infuse your heart, what I've discovered just within a week of practicing this, if you infuse your heart into this, you'll get fixated on just one line and that will begin to develop this abiding communion with God. So simple, yet so powerful and so profound in its impact in our lives. Why is prayer important? This is perhaps one of the most important things that I want to communicate today on why should we even devote time to giving attention to our life of prayer. John chapter 15, if you would go with me. John chapter 15, we'll begin in verse 1. Prayer is so important for this one reason. There's many reasons why prayer is important, but if you don't get any other reason on the importance of prayer, I want you to get this. And let this be a divine motivation to you to say, I'm going to get into alignment with what the Spirit of God is doing in this house because I want my prayer life to grow. Guys, I've been praying that all this week during this fast. In fact, a fast is a great time to pray this. this. I've been saying, God, I want you to build my prayer life this year. 2016, I want you to build the temple of prayer in my heart, in my marriage, my home, in my church like never before. And I've been asking the Lord this prayer, God, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. Give me a grace to pray like never before. And friends, I'm telling you, he's faithful to do it. But here's why prayer is so important. It is because, very simply, you and I cannot generate spiritual life. You and I cannot generate spiritual life. And there are things that are natural and there are things that are functional 
There are things that you parents are doing in the lives of your children. And, and listen, I get it. I get it with four kids. I get it. Man, I mean, it's, it, it takes everything inside of us someday just to wake the kids up, get them dressed, get them here, be in a great spirit, be in a great attitude, make sure the house is decently in order, get them to bed on time and keep that rhythm working like clockwork without going insane. I get it. And pouring out affection. And here's the thing that we have to understand. Moms and dads, I just want you to cue in on this, cue in on this for just one second. All of our love and all of our affection that we pour out to our children, taking time, reading to them before they go to sleep, having those intimate moments with our children, those are wonderful and they're necessary. And on some level, nothing can substitute that. But I will say this, that in and of itself falls short in producing a heart after God in our children. It, it will give them esteem. It will, know, it will help them know that they're loved. It will help frame their lives in balance and wholeness emotionally. It will give them confidence. It will let them know that in difficult moments that they can come to mom and dad. But what it will not do is it will not put a burning love and passion for Jesus. The only thing that will do that is by us contending with heaven and praying that into operation in their lives. Let me read this and I'll tell you a story right out of our own experience. 15 verse one says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener and he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So remain in me. Another word there is abide or dwell or make your home, or build a continual conversation with me. And I will remain in you, for no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain, it must abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And here's a linchpin for apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing that is of eternal consequence. Nothing that is of spiritual matter, you and I cannot do it. It's impossible unless we abide in that unbroken, continual fellowship with Jesus. And this is one of the primary things that prayer does. It engages us in that abiding, remaining, dwelling reality with the Trinity. Last week, as I was laying out my list for 2016, it's very important that you know what you're fasting into. It's very important that you even present to the Father. Lord, here's some things that are important in our heart. Here's some things that are important in our lives. And we're not just fasting haphazardly. These are the things that we want to invite the power of God through prayer and fasting into. And so Christy wrote out her list and I wrote out my list. And at the very top of my list was my daughter. And some things that I've just seen in my, my daughter's life and as Christy and I are nurturing her and developing her, just, just, just some fine-tuning calibrations that we noticed were off a little bit. 
not seeing as much tenderness in her heart, not seeing as much openness to the things of God and to our voice, and a little bit of hardness setting, settling in there, and, and um, probably a little bit of overdue concern rising up in my heart, but I was like, this is at the top of my list, man. There's nothing else that matters but capturing the heart of my daughter. And so, uh, so Christy and I, in this fast, we just set ourselves to praying for that. And... Um, just yesterday, a really neat thing was going on as we were making all of our preparation, getting ready for Jesse and Monica's wedding yesterday. Just in the middle of nowhere, our daughter picks up her Bible and she's sitting at the breakfast table and she's reading and reading and reading. And then she begins just asking these questions and she start, asks these just awesome questions. And so we just push pause and we began interacting with her on these questions and and then out of nowhere, she comes and she begins, just, she just breaks down and she starts weeping, which isn't something that we've seen in her for a while. Like I said, some, some, of, that, some of that tenderness there and some of that openness to God and worship we hadn't seen in a while. And so she just crawled up in Christy's lap and she just starts weeping before Christy and, uh, and essentially saying, you know, I, I love Jesus and I, I, I want to know him more deeply and and man, I just had to walk over into the kitchen where nobody could see me and go, God, you're so faithful. See, I can't do that. I'm going to take her on a thousand daddy-daughter dances. I can, I can lavish her with incredible great things, but I cannot make that happen in the spirit or in the heart of a person. Moms and dads, business owners, the things that are happening that are going to touch eternity, you can't make that happen with all of your business savvy all your schooling experience, incredible leadership, all the management techniques, you are not gonna build a culture within your business that is gonna affect eternity without prayer. Why is prayer so important? Prayer is our lifeline between the natural and the supernatural. Prayer is where eternity and our timeline merge together. Prayer gives us access to the divine resources that are available for us in heaven through the death and through the resurrection of Jesus. Let me talk with you in our closing moments about what happens when we pray. What happens? And this is definitely not exhaustive because we could go weeks and weeks and weeks on just this topic. What happens when you pray? Number one, when you pray, number one, it is a place of encounter. Prayer is a place of encounter. In 2015, our church got together and we asked God, what are some things that you want us to partner with you and agree with you in to see happen within this body? And the first thing was, was that there would be divine encounters in 2015. So I'd pray into that often. And now one of the ways that I understand this is that when we develop our prayer lives, and as I'm thinking through this even now, as I, as I take inventory on many of my encounters with God, many of those happen in a setting, in a heart, in a disposition of prayer with God, and then heaven breaks in to that moment. Prayer is a place where we encounter God. It is the means by which we most feel his presence. It is the means by which we most receive his love. In prayer, we posture and position ourselves to receive fresh insight into his heart. It is in that place of prayer. Prayer positions us to be energized by his love. 
The call to prayer is a call to participate in his love that forever burns in the Trinity. Prayer is a way, number two, to receive blessing for ourselves, for others, and for our situation. So what happens when we pray? Number one, we encounter God. We position ourselves to encounter God, which that is like the first domino that just knocks everything down. Your life will be radically in the lives of your children, the lives of your business, and the lives of your community. The life of your church will be forever changed by just one encounter. Second thing that happens is, is that we actually release blessing. We receive blessing and we release blessing when we pray. God actually rewards those who diligently seek him. In the book of Revelation, looking at chapter two and chapter three, when you read this, Jesus is actually addressing seven different churches in those two chapters of Revelation there in chapter two and three. And one of the things that's fascinating to read about as you look at his address, there's things that he encourages them in. He says, you guys are doing great here. There's things that he says, we need to come up here a little bit. And then at the very end of every one of those addresses, he says to him who overcomes, and then he lays out a particular reward. You need to understand this morning that we don't just pray just to pray. That there's actually reward that is attached. And I love what Bernard said today, that recompense, that divine compensation. Now we don't get into works, and this might be hard for us to reconcile this tension. We don't get into a works mentality or a religious spirit, but we need to understand that there are certain things that can only be purchased. And we all understand the concept of purchasing things. There are certain things that can only be purchased in the spirit, in the level of anointing by prayer. And so God moves to release blessing into our lives in conjunction and in partnership with our prayer. Final thing here, and this is one of the things I'm most excited about. Number three, what happens when we pray? Prayer is partnership with God. You know what happens when you pray? You're actually working in tandem. You're working in conjunction. You're working in agreement. You're working in fellowship with God to bring his kingdom into the earth. One of my favorite parts of the Lord's prayer is where he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now, why would he even encourage us to pray for his kingdom? if he didn't want to work with his sons and daughters to bring his kingdom into the earth. See, God, God is inviting us into cooperation with him. Again, using just family analogies and even work analogies work really well here. Now, when you're dealing with someone who's inexperienced in a skill or a trade or a craft or even something as simple as loading the dishwasher with your young ones, on one level, it would be a lot easier on one level, it would save a lot more time in the moment for you just to do that yourself. Those of you guys who are business owners and you all know, you know the rigors of training an inexperienced person. You've got to put pause on everything and you've got to work them through that. You've got to work through their mistakes. But in the long run, and God is always a God of the long run, he sees the end from the beginning. It is a better investment to work together because as you work together, that's the best place to learn something. 
And here's what God is saying in the place of prayer. Son, we get to build our family business as sons and daughters working together with the Father. Revelation chapter 5 verse 10 says that God has made us kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. He has made us a kingdom of priests. You're a king in training. You're a priest in training, working together to rule the earth, to rule and govern the earth. And I'll explain this more as we, as we map out some of our kingdom theology. But let me just close by going to Genesis 1. Genesis 1. We're going to look at verses 26 and 28. Are we all there? It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, the wild animals, and over all of life over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them. And he said to them, number one, be fruitful. Number two, increase in number. Number three, fill the earth. And then number four, subdue it. I looked at that word, subdue it, many years ago. And that word to subdue the earth actually means to rule and to govern the earth in God's dominion. It means to bring heaven to earth. It means to make the earth realm look like exactly what heaven looks like. It means that the value systems of heaven are reflected in the earth. It means that God's mindset on education lines up with truth, not with just secular, liberal, humanistic philosophy and ideologies that break. This is why prayer in schools is so important. Again, listen, going back to you cannot produce things of eternal substance without prayer. So we move prayer from schools. If teachers don't understand that they're priests and kings in the education arena, they're not go- they're, they, are, they are missing out on all of those resources to produce the life of God in their classroom, in their environment, in their, in, their, in, their, in their students. We are called to reflect the glory of God in the economy. There is wisdom of God that is revealed in a, in, in a matter in business that can only be revealed in business. I'll say that one more time. There is a wisdom of God that can only be revealed in the nature of numbers and business and growing people. There are principles of God that are released in that, that are released nowhere else. And we need to pray for God to release that there. And when we pray as people who work in the workforce, we are partnering with God to see his kingdom and his will done in those areas. On and on and on and on it goes. As I set my sights on 2016 for Antioch Church, I am more fired up, I am more energized, I'm more excited, I'm more full of vision than ever before. And here's one of the primary reasons why. Although I pray a good deal for this house, I feel God is calling me to raise the ante and I feel God is calling us to raise the ante. And here's where hope is. Hope is in this. 
knowing everything that we touched on, and we just touched gently on it today, knowing everything that God has available, if he's calling us to a higher level of prayer, it means that he wants to bring more people into the kingdom through Antioch Church. It means that he wants to mature us to a greater measure in our kingdom identity, in our kingdom assignment, in our kingdom authority, in our kingdom uh, victory this year. Knowing, knowing that he's inviting us into prayer, I, I believe that he's going to begin to expand our borders of influence in the city. I believe that he is going to begin to, even in every single one of you, my prayer is that he begin to activate you in a greater dimension, in a greater degree in the places where you're called I believe that if he's calling us to a greater level of prayer, that we're going to see that in our families, that's going to be reflected in our children, that lost loved ones are going to come back to God. I, say, I think we're going to see that reflected in our bodies, that we're going to be healthier and stronger than we've ever been. We're going to be more prosperous and abundant than we've ever been. And we're going to receive strategy on how to make the kingdom work where we're at. We're going to see death dissipate and be removed from our city. We're going to see life increase in our territory. Because if God is calling us to those things, there's a reason why. There are things that God wants to accomplish. And he needs us to do it. Yes. Amen.